G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, at this time of year, millions of Christians around the world and those organisations that support the persecuted church are on heightened alert. Christian celebrations like Christmas and Easter are often times when churches are targeted by extremists. It was on Easter Sunday 2019 that extremists bombed three Sri Lankan church services. So let's get some insights into what Christian brothers and sisters face in many of the nations around the world where persecution of Christians is rife. Mike Gore leads Open Doors in Australia. Mike's back with us. Hi Mike, welcome back to 2020. Neil, it is good to be back. It's been a little while, so it's great to be back with you. Mike, Let's start with the idea that there are dangerous places, and for a lot of Aussies, that's news to them. What are the most dangerous places that you might identify? What comes to mind in Mike Gore's mind when you think about the most dangerous places? Well, it's funny, it's funny Neil. Everyone asks me the most dangerous place, and often I'm left answering it, I guess, in a way that is somewhat abstract. But look, the most difficult place that comes to mind straight away is North Korea. Now, danger is often interchanged with violence. North Korea is not simply about violence. Uh, some of our listeners might sort of pigeonhole persecution to be. But North Korea is the, the number one place that comes to mind. It is the most difficult place on the planet to be a Christian, um, but it's not because of necessarily Islamic extremism. Um, it's from from a, a paranoid dictatorship that, that really wants to seek to control everything. So that's the answer to the question. North Korea is the country I think of. And North Korea would be even a small element of the number of nations around the world where there is high level of persecution. In fact, from what I understand, as many as 340 million Christians at risk in different nations around the world, Mike. That's exactly right. 340 million Christians around the world face high levels of persecution. I mean, that's, a, that's an astronomical number uh, to think when we put our shoes ourselves in the shoes of people who are not free to worship Jesus the way we are. I mentioned that Easter time is a time of heightened persecution. Uh, how do you describe what's going on in the minds of Christian believers in nations where there is high levels of persecution and the worry that they might have with celebrating Easter? I think that's the right the, the right word, Neil. Is it a, a worry? It's this bittersweet kind of moment. One part the celebration, I mean, the point of difference for our faith was that Jesus rose from the dead, overcame death in, in an act of reuniting us with him, um, God the Son. And so for, for that, I mean, that is something to be celebrated um, across the world, but for Christians who live in societies and cultures that, that are vastly against Christianity, it's really bittersweet because there's one part of them that says, you know, this is the point of difference, we want to celebrate it, but for people in places like you mentioned in there before, leading into the show, Sri Lanka, um, Pakistan, places like that where I remember a mother of two in Pakistan um, who had survived the Lahore bombings said to us, we, we go to church, we worship at Easter, knowing that a suicide bomber could disrupt our service at any moment. 
And then she said, but I paused and I asked myself, will it really be disrupted or will I be sent into the fullness of worship? I mean, that is a profound statement from a woman who's experienced Easter-based persecution, but also a woman who has this courageously comforting position in Christ to say, we, we can go there to worship, or maybe I'll be sent into the fullness of worship. We can be inspired by those courageous thoughts, uh, inspiring thoughts, as you say, but there are stories that emerge, say, after a bombing attack where people have been maimed and injured Uh, let alone those who've been killed. But there are some heart-wrenching stories. Undoubtedly, your office is awash with those whenever there is a terror attack on Christians. That's right. It's one of the things we work very hard on with our team is what we call vicarious trauma because the nature of the work we do is not um, necessarily pretty or warm or fluffy or fuzzy or any of those kind of things. It's actually very heavy because you you hear stories um, like five-year-old Debbie who lost both of her parents and her eyesight in a um, attack in Sri Lanka, and, and these really heart-wrenching stories of loss in the face of persecution and stories of suffering. But, but overwhelmingly, what we'll say, Neil, is that the persecuted church are just such perfect spiritual mentors. They're people who, by name, have overcome the bonds of cultural oppression to remain courageously close to Jesus. And so despite the heartache of the suffering, There's so much we can learn from them. A lesson being that suffering is not so much a betrayal of the gospel, it's the essence of the gospel. And you hear time and time again from these survivors that it drew them closer to Christ and further away from him. And there really is a beauty in the brokenness of that. As Christians in Australia, Mike, we're not so familiar, are we, with the idea of suffering because of persecution. Uh, I wonder if you've got any reflection on the idea that the cost of following Jesus is increasing. When we get word of these things, our understanding is heightened, but uh, we tend not to understand that suffering in the same sense. But we are reminded, aren't we, that the cost of following Jesus is still there, just as the Bible says. Well, persecution, in many ways, Neil, is a consequence of successful Christianity. For an organisation like Open Doors, if we wanted to to stop persecution or alleviate the, the problems that many Christians face, Face, sorry, you could, you could simply tell them to stop talking about Jesus because persecution and following Christ or sharing him with the world, it's always going to coexist. I mean, every instance of persecution in the Bible 2,000 years ago was always and only ever based on even a public outworking the gospel, a church outworking it in community. Persecution and following Jesus, they go hand in hand. But you sort of find in Western nations, myself growing up here in Australia, there sometimes can be lost in translation a little bit that we we love the warm and the the, the soft and the cozy version of Jesus, but we often don't um, pause to realise that, hey, following him comes with a great burden and a great cost. Mike, this year you have your One With Them campaign, and uh, I think this might be a campaign that you have fairly frequently year after year, but it is really about this time of year. How do you describe for listeners to our conversation today what it is to contribute to and be a part of this One With Them campaign? It's one of the things I've actually loved about Vision. You know, for years now, um, we've partnered with you on this campaign. Well, one of the things I'm passionate about in our One With Them campaign is encouraging Australia to take a public stand of solidarity with the persecuted church. I mean, the global church united is a beautiful thing. And so 
at Easter, a time of intense and increased persecution, we ask people to consider donating a day's wage, almost working one day in 365 for free for the global body of Christ. And, you know, the Bible talks about one body, one church. When they hurt, we hurt. And so that's what this is about, encouraging, partnering with people like Vision and your listeners to say, hey, you know what, there's a global body of Christ to share our faith but not our freedom. What would it take to this Easter have a moment in solidarity standing together as a church? And so we ask people to stop. Um, On April 1 is the date. We're asking them to stop, pray for one minute at 1 o'clock on April 1 to pray for the persecuted church and to consider giving one day's wage to support people all over the world who share our faith but not our freedom. I know it's a breath of fresh air for some because we can hear story after story of things that are happening to Christians around the world, persecuted believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can wonder what difference it makes. Will I just pray? Could I write a letter? Could I have it delivered through one of these organisations? Could I support financially? But the idea of a day's pay, where does that come from, Mike? Because uh, it's a pretty significant thing for some to give up a day's pay, but others will say, I'd gladly do that to be in solidarity with my brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. But the, the heart of the one day as a quantifier is that we really wanted to have something that allowed, um, let's say, a 15-year-old casual worker at KFC or a business owner, or to be honest, a pensioner, um, a house, a stay-at-home mum. We, we wanted to find something that people could go, hey, you know what, I can be involved, and more than that, I can feel like I'm adding value. Because as a 15-year-old person who works a shift at KFC, you know, maybe it's a $70 or something like that, and it's a big amount for them. But for a business owner, it might be different. And, and so the whole one-day notion was aimed at trying to, again, suggest this inclusivity, this unity in a global body of Christ sense. No discrimination based on gender or age, income status, wealth, but just saying, hey, everyone can give one day. And that's what I think is one of the beautiful parts of One With Them because it truly is a unifying um, way of measuring value. And of course, we are commanded, aren't we, in the Bible to be able to identify with the suffering of brothers and sisters. Sometimes we think that's just in our local church or in our wider community, but this can be from one side of the world to the other. Listen, that's one of the great things I think COVID, believe it or not, brought to the world over the last 12 months is that it's very you can sympathise with people, but you rarely get the chance to empathise with them. And I think COVID and the decentralization of the church, as we know it, so being forced to worship from home and in small groups, there was this great and beautiful alignment of the global church. And so I, I, you're right, I look at particularly one with them as our opportunity and, and our experience of the last 12 months with COVID. This is a really beautiful moment to truly empathize with the global body of Christ who meet in so often decentralized fashions, who meet under restriction pressure, isolation, uncertainty, loneliness, and all of those kind of things. And so, yeah, it is a beautiful way of bringing the church together. And, Mike, I'll give the website in just a moment for those who want to connect for this One With Them campaign, but is there a particular nation that is the focus this year for where funds will go? No, so donations this year are going to where most need. I mean, Easter is what we call an intense and increased time of persecution. It'll be used for things like discipleship, emergency relief, community development, and, and and be sort of offered around to more than 70 countries that we work in. But particularly in instances like we've seen in Sri Lanka and Pakistan and 
Kenya over the years, being able to be flexible and more able to move is what we call where most needed, but it will be used entirely to help support the persecuted church. Well, it's called the One With Them campaign. And how do you get involved? How do you participate? Go to opendoors.org.au. That's opendoors.org.au. Mike Gore leads Open Doors in Australia. Mike, thanks so much for giving us an update and putting that challenge before listeners today on 2020. No worries, Neil. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.